Hello and welcome to eBible Fellowship's Evening Bible Studies with your speaker, Chris McCann. If you'd like more information or to hear more studies, visit our website at www.ebiblefellowship.com. And now, with your evening Bible study, here's Chris McCann. Good evening and welcome to eBible Fellowship's Bible Study in the Book of Revelation. Tonight is study number 21 of Revelation chapter 13. We're going to be reading verses 11 and 12. And I beheld another beast coming up out of the earth, and he had two horns like a lamb, and he spake as a dragon. And he exerciseth all the power of the first beast before him, and causes the earth and them which dwell therein to worship the first beast whose deadly wound was healed. And uh, we're continuing in our study of the book of Revelation and going verse by verse, trying to not miss anything, not go around anything, or skip over anything. We want to face and, and to deal with each verse uh, in the Bible. That, that's our desire, because this is the word of God. And whatever God has said, well, that is... That is good. That That is our desire to do the will of God. And so it's an excellent opportunity to learn the will of God when we go verse by verse through a book. Because the way God has written the Bible, in, in order to go through one book, especially a book like the book of Revelation, you end up going through many books verse by verse. You're comparing scripture. Here a little, there a little. And one verse may direct us um, into several other books. And, and certainly as we go chapter by chapter through the entire book, Lord willing, we will have also touched upon many other places in the Bible. Well, verse 11 is describing another beast coming up out of the earth. Now, this, this is uh, following the first beast, Back in verse 1 of Revelation 13, And I stood upon the sand of the sea, and saw a beast rise up out of the sea, having seven heads and ten horns, and upon his horns ten crowns, and upon his heads the name of blasphemy. And that beast is Satan, who was loosed at the end of the church age, the beginning of the Great Tribulation period. And he uh, comes up out of the depth out of the bottomless pit. Well, if if that first beast was Satan, and it was, then who is this second beast? Who is this other beast that God says, as he moves the Apostle John to write, I beheld another beast coming up out of the earth, not out of the sea, but out of the earth. And, and notice it says he had two horns like a lamb, and he spake, as a dragon. Well, that's very helpful to us because when God loosed Satan at, again, the end of the church age and beginning of the Great Tribulation period, the beginning of the judgment on the churches and the congregations, he loosed him to take a far greater rule of reign in the world and in the church far greater than ever before 
Satan had always infiltrated the churches, and and occasionally he would uh, overcome a church or a denomination where it would become a synagogue of Satan that is given over to lies and falsehoods rather than the truth, and he would be worshipped there. But he had never overcome the church entire, 100% of the churches. And, and that's due to the fact that the Spirit of God was in the midst of the congregations, and so God always kept a remnant. He always kept some churches closer to the truth, and, and he used those churches to um, bless the congregations and, and to save through the ministry of his word in those churches. But now at the time of the end, Satan has overcome all the churches, no exceptions, no remnant held back, uh, no um, uh, few churches or even one church anywhere in the world that is able to maintain its faithfulness because the Holy Spirit departed out of the midst of all churches. And therefore, it doesn't matter how faithful a pastor or eldership might be, if the Holy Spirit isn't there, then then immediately the faithful city, as we read in Isaiah chapter 1, becomes a harlot, because the church could be considered a faithful city only due to the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. Soon as he leaves, it's instantaneously a harlot. That's why when people um, have said in the past, well, you can't know that every church is apostate. You you haven't visited every church in the world. And certainly somewhere out there, there could be a faithful church and you wouldn't know it. So this whole idea of the end of the church age is wrong because you can't vouch for every church that that every single church has gone astray. Well, you see that that idea is completely false it it doesn't matter it, even if there is a church that would follow basic doctrines that we might say are faithful without the holy spirit in the eyes of god that church has gone apostate that church has become like a harlot because the the man that god is looking for for faithfulness is Jesus, the Spirit of Christ within. And if he doesn't see Christ, then he doesn't see a faithful church. This is exactly what God is addressing in Jeremiah chapter 5 in verse 1. Run ye to and fro through the streets of Jerusalem. And understand Jerusalem to represent the, the New Testament churches. And see now and know and seek in the broad places thereof, if ye can find a man, if there be any that executeth judgment, that seeketh the truth, and I will pardon it. That is, go throughout the whole world and look into every church in the world, Presbyterian, Episcopalian, Lutheran, Catholic, Independent, Congregationalist, whatever church you want the house church and go find a man and that man is Christ 
find Christ in any church and God says, I will pardon that church because God knows you will not find a man. You will not find the Lord Jesus. Oh, some people, they point to their pastor. Well, the pastor isn't the man who can cause God to pardon the church, to lift his hand of wrath from being upon the congregation. It is only Christ that can make God uh, repent in, in that way and turn back from pouring out his fury. Well, in Revelation 13, verse 11, again, And I beheld another beast coming up out of the earth, and he had two horns like a lamb. Now, this helps us to identify this beast in particular. The focus of this beast that comes up out of the earth is going to be on the churches and congregations. First, in a general sense, God speaks of Satan who is loosed. The Lord has taken the key to the bottomless pit and opened it up and loosed Satan for a little season. At the time of the end, the little season identifies with the Great Tribulation. And Satan is coming up out of the dips, picturing that bottomless pit. And, and he is taking his seat to rule in the world in a far greater way than ever before, and in the church. But now with this other beast, God is going to focus our attention exclusively on what will happen to the churches after the beast is loosed, after Satan has been uh, granted complete um, reign over all the churches of the world. And and so this beast has two horns like a lamb because the Bible refers to Jesus as the Lamb of God that taketh away the sins of the world. And Satan comes looking like Christ. He tries to imposter him to deceive others by taking the word of God in his mouth uh, through his emissaries and by preaching the, the word of God and getting as close as possible to the truth while adding error and in order to deceive. We read in 2 Corinthians in chapter 11. 2 Corinthians, it says, beginning in verse 13, for such are false apostles, deceitful workers, transforming themselves into the apostles of Christ. Now, how does someone transform themselves into an apostle of Christ? Well, first of all, you accept him. You uh, believe in him. You, you, you come down the aisle and you, you say the sinner's prayer. And then you get baptized and maybe dunk or however the baptism ceremony goes. And then you profess that you're a new creature. You're a believer. You've accepted Christ. You've been baptized. You begin to attend the church and you uh, partake of the Lord's table. You're a faithful 
a regular member of the congregation after a while and you give regularly, you're, you're in good with the pastor. The pastor thinks, well, this man has had a dramatic change in his life and, and you start to, um, uh, really be, uh, an individual that the congregation looks to for guidance and leadership and soon you're a deacon. And not long after that, you're an elder. And now you're in a position of authority in the church. But the only problem is you never became saved. Because the true gospel does not permit men to do any work in order to get themselves saved. And therefore, accepting Christ never changed or saved a single soul. Walking down an aisle never benefited anyone spiritually. Saying the sinner's prayer may have made someone feel better, but it never saved a sinner. And being baptized with water during the church age was a proper thing to do as a sign of baptism by the Holy Spirit. But water baptism is meaningless otherwise, other than just being a sign of what happens when God does truly save someone. He washes away their sin. And water baptism has never washed away anyone's sin. And partaking of the Lord's table has never imparted the least bit of grace to anyone that has uh, eaten the bread or, or drank from the grape juice. It's just another sign that uh, is done to remember what the Lord Jesus did. And none of these things can save a soul, but they are able to deceive the congregation and even deceive the person themselves into thinking, now I'm saved, now I'm a child of God, or now I'm an apostle of the Lord Jesus. An apostle means a sent one. Now I'm Christian, and I'm going to live forever. I'm going to heaven, and let me get involved in the operation of the church. And that is one of the ways, and it's happened thousands upon thousands upon thousands of times in churches across the country and across the world where men have entered into the church, into the congregation, and and moved up. That's what men do. In the world, you start at a job and you look for promotion. Or you go to school and you look to graduate from one grade to the next. And in church, well, you look to be elevated to positions of authority after a while. Or you might leave and, and go to another church. And so the church recognizes that. Well, he's done his time and, and let's, let's put him into this position of deacon or elder. And yet in thousands upon thousands of cases, and that number may be understating it, in positions of deacon and elder and pastor and, and uh, any other positions above that in the church, unsaved, unregenerate men and now women, have entered into those posts and they are nothing but false 
apostles, deceitful workers that have transformed themselves. God didn't do any transformation. God didn't give them a new heart or a new spirit. God didn't um, cleanse them from sin. And, and, and so it's all been done by themselves and their belief and their understanding and uh, and yet it, it's all a lie. It, it's all a, a big fat lie that that they have become saved and yet not only are they in the church as a member of the congregation with their family but they're ruling in the church and the rest of the deacons, if it's a church that teaches a free will gospel uh, or or other kinds of adding uh, works to grace type gospels, all the deacons, well, th- this could be years ago, even during the church age, well, perhaps all the deacons are unsafe men. Perhaps all the elders are unsafe men. And, and the pastor, perhaps he's an unsafe man. And yet they're the ones making the decisions on the course that the church is charting for sailing to heaven. And they're the ones determining the doctrine, determining what is right and what is wrong, what is good and evil as far as the word of God is concerned. And they never became saved. And this is how Satan entered into the churches all through the church age, but especially at the time of the end, once the Holy Spirit came out of the midst, this situation in the churches worsened, it, uh, it, it heightened in uh, about a negative a way as possible until the point where the church total, the whole corporate church and all of its leadership, we, we can say this because the Bible says it, that the church age is over, and God commanded his people to come out, and there was a time for leaving the church, and now that time has passed because the the day of salvation has ended, the latter rain ceased to fall, and and God now has brought judgment on the world. And and so all that remain in the churches and congregations were as tares bundled for the burning of judgment day. And so all the workers, the the leadership, the false apostles are individuals that transform themselves into the apostles of Christ. And it goes on in 2 Corinthians 11 verse 14 to say, And no marvel, for Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. Satan himself is transformed. He's changed into an angel of light. You know that picture that the people have that you see around Halloween with little kids who who dress up like the devil. How do they dress? With a red cape, with red horns, and and some sinister looking mustache and beard and a pitchfork. There's a picture of Satan, the world says. And that is about as far uh, away from Satan as you can get. First of all, uh, in, in reality, Satan's a spirit being, and you can't draw pictures of him like that. Uh, we, we can't see spirit beings. 
You, you can't describe spirit beings. They're spirit beings. But, but more than that, Satan constantly is trying to be like God. Remember, he's the man of sin. It says in 2 Thessalonians 2, um, verse 4, who opposeth and exalteth himself above all that is called God, or that is worshipped, so that he is God, sitteth in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. And God is light. God is like the sun. God shines with a, a brilliance. And, and the word of God is light. And the Lord Jesus Christ, who is eternal God, is light. And Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. He himself tries to appear as Christ appears. And that's why you will hear the church develop doctrines. Not evil, uh, villainous, despicable, ugly doctrines, uh, such as the end of the church age or the end of salvation, uh, where God has shut the door of heaven and isn't saving people anymore. That's a doctrine of the devil. No, no, we just, just, uh, people make that kind of mistake, just like they make the mistake of thinking that Satan wears a red cape and, or Satan looks like someone with a red cape and hat with horns and a pitchfork, easily recognizable to be Satan. Not so. Nor are the doctrines, true faithful doctrines of the Bible, we, we might think they're of Satan, and yet, they are true and faithful and of God. And it's the sweet sounding. It's the smooth uh, and pleasing doctrines that are actually from Satan. Because you can know a doctrine of Satan because it's a lie. A doctrine of Christ is the truth. And so a doctrine of Satan that the church espouses is... That Christ died for everyone. He died for the whole world. And they'll point to a Bible verse or two. You see, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And, and there is the evidence. Of course, it doesn't harmonize with anything else in the Bible. And, and that's a, a fast indicator that it's not true. It's erroneous. They've come to a wrong conclusion. It's a lie. And, and another way of quickly recognizing that that's a falsehood is to then understand, well, if Jesus died for everyone, that means he paid the sins for everyone, then why isn't everyone saved? And uh, they try to get around that, but uh, it becomes obvious that, no, that's way off course, way off base, a complete and total lie, and yet it sounds so good. And wonderful, if it were true. God loves everyone. Jesus died for all. It, it's just so comforting. How can it be wrong? Well, that's how Satan comes, as an angel of light. Very sweet, very kind of him, isn't it? Very, isn't that good of Satan to make salvation that God limits? that the Bible uh, limits to only the elect, to to take that salvation 
and be much more generous with it, to be much more giving, and for Satan to expand it to include everybody. That's a much more loving and kind thing to do. But what's the problem? It's not true. It's not true. No matter how loving and kind and generous it sounds, and and how inclusive it is that that everyone's saved, we just can't get around that that hard truth that it's not true to the Bible. That it, it it didn't happen that way. God did not save everyone. Christ did not die for everyone. Christ died for a specific group of people that the Bible calls the elect. And and even though that sounds harsh and that sounds oh it it just doesn't sound as loving or as as kind as the other doctrine yet that is the truth and you know uh would you rather would you rather the lie that pleases your ears and it gives you a warm feeling that yes that's my idea of a god he died for all only it's not true or would you rather to hear the the direct straight truth from the bible and that's always what god tells us as he opens up doctrine to us this is the truth difficult yes hard in some ways yes and perhaps we don't understand why god did it fully but nonetheless this is the truth and that's the nature of truth in the bible truth is often made to sound as the lie by satan and the lie of satan is always packaged as the truth thanks for joining us for e-bible fellowships evening bible studies you can hear these studies Monday through Friday over PalTalk, Skype, eBible Fellowship's webcast audio, or over your phone. For more information or to hear other studies, visit www.ebiblefellowship.com. Until our next study, may the Lord's perfect will be done.